0: We had not one, not two, but three Hell in a Cell matches tonight on WWE Hell in a Cell 2020, and I gotta say, I have been very disinterested in WWE, and really North American Pro Wrestling these last several months, but if there's one thing that's crystal clear, it's that WWE TV, particularly Raw, has more often than not absolutely positively sucked, but these last three to four pay-per-views have been the exact opposite. They've been damn good, and tonight was freaking great. What's up? Fred Ricciani, TSC, your home for sports news updates, interviews, and everything in between. If you're new here, please consider subscribing. I'm here to give you guys my thoughts on Hell and a Cell, H-I-A-C, 2020. We're going to recap the results from top to bottom, also going to be talking about Some upcoming WWE cards and the latest WWE news. But man, strong ending to Hell in a Cell. Strong beginning, strong middle, strong ending. One hell of a show. No pun intended. Let's start at the top because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering who is the new WWE champion? Or is it the old WWE champion? Is there a new Mr. Money in the Bank? Is there a new women's champion? Well, let's dive in. We had our main event. And originally, I was pretty ticked off by this because it was Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre. And I thought, you know what? These guys will have a great match no matter what. But I really thought Bayley and Sasha Banks should have been the main event. So I was a little annoyed, a little pissed off. Not gonna lie. But I said, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. So I watched the match. They had the great match you would expect them to have. So I really appreciated that. I mean, there were... Quite a a few spots here. If I look at my recap to refresh my memory, there's a a point where Drew McIntyre hit Randy Orton with a freaking T-bone suplex on the floor through a freaking table. That was wild. McIntyre also took some chair shots throughout the match. Both guys obviously battered and bruised each other against the cell. And yes, the hell in a cell for the second straight, I guess maybe the third straight year now, was bright red. I mean, it's not bad. But it is a little tacky. I mean, not everything has to be so colorful, so shiny. So yeah, let's use this to sell action figures or whatever. It'd be nice if they just went back to the traditional steel cell from my childhood. But hey, uh, I I get it. But hey, They did do something. They did do a spot very similar to my childhood, very similar to a lot of people's childhoods, and really very similar to some other past Hell in a Cell matches. So they brawled all over the place from pillar to post inside the Cell. And what I loved about it is, for the most part, they kept the action in the Cell. They emphasized the danger of the Cell. It was very much like an old-school Hell in a Cell match. I liked that. But what I also liked and kind of didn't like was at the end or towards the end, McIntyre's beating up Orton. Orton wants out. He gets bolt cutters, and he escapes the cell, and it looks like he's running away. Now, I'm assuming Randy Orton, the character, just wanted to lure Drew McIntyre outside. I'm sure he didn't actually want to forego a a shot at the WWE Championship. So McIntyre attacked him from the back. Orton slipped through like the viper he is, went to the top of the cell. And I'm thinking to myself, Randy Orton, who has had... I mean, if you don't count his superplex, which is a tribute to his dad, I can probably count on one hand how many high spots this man has done in his whole career. So he's at the top of the cell. Drew McIntyre follows him. They're brawling on top of the cell. I'm scared to death for both men. Randy magically finds a steel pipe. I guess he planted it at the top of the cell, and it didn't fall through during the other two cell matches. I don't know. Takes the pipe, bashes McIntyre's leg, and then Orton tries to escape and go back down the cage but Drew McIntyre meets him and they're hanging on the wall they're hanging on the wall. very similar to past down some matches you've seen with the spot uh, you know of course the f- most famous one was HBK and the Undertaker when Undertaker knocked HBK off the the cell wall of course uh you know there was uh, I think one of the more recent ones Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose both fell off uh, the, the cage. So and, and I think they did the same thing uh, actually with Charlotte and Sasha Banks. Spots have been done before but it felt more organic here, right? Because Gordon's such a sneaky douchebag and hit him with the freaking pipe and he's trying to escape, but McIntyre follows him th- through. Like Everything in this match did not seem contrived at all. It just seemed like, yeah, a, a little bit of WWE wackiness, but for the most part in the WWE universe to steal a, a-, a stupid line from Michael Cole, you know, it-, it made sense, right? These guys don't like each other. They want to find out who's the best. One of them is really desperate to finally be world champion again. They're beating the hell out of each other. And one of them obviously is a dishonorable douchebag, that being Randy Orton. So they're uh, they're on the cell wall. Orton knocks McIntyre off. McIntyre is a big boy, if you don't know. The dude's like, what, 6'3", 6'4", 235 pounds, whatever he is. Crashes down through the announcer's table. Crawls back into the cell because he is a fighting champion. I really like the psychology here. So then McIntyre, out of nowhere... Goes for the Claymore kick. Hits it. Actually, no. First, he went for a backslide, similar to their finish at SummerSlam. But this time, Orton kicked out. Then he hit a Claymore. Orton wisely rolled out of the ring. And then, once they got back in the ring, McIntyre's struggling. McIntyre's trying. He's trying to hit another Claymore. He goes for it. Orton ducks. McIntyre goes flying. Falls on his lower back and ass. And then Orton hits an RKO. Just one RKO. One, two, three. Three for the clean pin and Drew McIntyre's awesome, epic WWE Championship reign is officially over. Randy Orton is officially the new WWE Champion and overall a 14-time champion, tying Triple H for the second most world title runs in WWE history. That's some elite company. The only guy he's behind, a guy named John Cena with 16. This was a great match. Bravo to both men. Tremendous. Now, I've said this before. I actually was in attendance 11 years ago in New York, New Jersey, for the very first Hell in a Cell pay-per-view when they started doing multiple Hell in a Cell matches on a pay-per-view. And uh, the results varied, to say the least. Fun fact, Cody Rhodes was in the main event uh, of that show. And you know we, we've seen over the years, there's usually one good Hell in a Cell match on the pay-per-view. Maybe two if you're lucky. But usually three. To have three home runs... In the same stipulation match. Mm. And that's a little tough. But they delivered here. So yeah. Tremendous match. Randy Orton your new WWE champion. I don't know where they go from here. I'm assuming if they're going to do the brand supremacy. Like they always do every year with Survivor Series. It's going to be Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns. Should be a good match. But seems a little weird. I think to me Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. Might be a more dynamic match on paper, but y- you never know. Every year on the SmackDown side of things, for the last couple of years, they've thrown a monkey wrench and they've done something wacky. I don't expect there to be a title change on the SmackDown side, but we saw a couple years ago Daniel Bryan right before Survivor Series won the WWE Championship, changed the whole thing up through you know, you know what I mean. So who knows? Who knows? There were some other changes I feel like they made too. Oh yeah, AJ Styles a few years before, a year before that one beat Jinder Mahal to win the Deadly Championship and then wrestle Brock Lesnar. So, look, it could, it could happen. We'll see. I don't know. It, it, it'll it'll definitely be interesting, though. I'm just trying to refresh my memory here. So, last year, we had a Survivor Series. Uh, Brock Le- okay, it was Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio. So, okay, they actually didn't do the champion versus champion. So, technically, they don't have to do champion versus, versus champion. But if they want to do Roman Reigns versus, uh, versus Randy Orton next month, sure. Why not? I should also note that the Undertaker, yes, the man who's allegedly retired, is appearing at Survivor Series for his 30th anniversary. So I'm assuming he'll be in action, or at least do some type of segment. I God bless the Undertaker. I really don't have any interest in seeing him wrestle anymore. But hey, I can't blame him if they want to give him a stack of money to at least make an appearance, hit a choke slam, tombstone, and all that jazz. So we kicked off the show with the kickoff with our truth defeating Drew Gulak to retain the 24-7 title. I didn't really watch much of the pre-show because it's, you know, a lot of the same to be quite honest. So, but, hey, still your 24-7 champion, Mr. R-Truth. By the way, if you're watching live on Facebook or on YouTube, please feel free to take a quick second to like this video. Maybe you want to subscribe. If you're listening on the podcast, feel free to give us a five-star rating. I'd ask for six or seven stars like Kenny Omega, but unfortunately, they only allow a maximum of five. So, Michael Vanderon says Edge got hurt at Backlash. Supposedly he won't be back for a while. Yeah, I mean they could have Orton hold on to the title until WrestleMania to wrestle Edge, but uh, I've read all these reports about Edge uh, taking, and actually Edge himself is on record saying it's taking longer and longer for his triceps to heal than than he thought because, you know, he is 47 years old. That being said, Edge has worked media before when he said he wasn't coming back whatsoever and then he did. So you, you never know. Hopefully, for his health's sake, he actually is working media, and he will be back uh, sooner than later. But obviously, we hope he, he heals up because he's definitely an all-time great. So, Archer, like I said, our truth beat Gulak. We opened the show with the Hell in a Cell I Quit match, and this really did not need to be a Hell in a Cell match. It, it really didn't. It could have just been a straight-up I Quit match, but uh, they, had a, they had a great match. Uh, really just awesome back-and-forth action. Uh, Jay Uso, who knew that Jay Uso was such a great singles babyface? I mean, a lot of people have kind of looked at uh, Jimmy as like the star of the team, even though both guys are stars collectively. But, man, Jey Uso, another great performance here. The stipulation was if Jay Uso said, I quit, he would be removed along with Jimmy from the N.O.I. family dynasty, the Samoan wrestling dynasty. And, and uh, you know, he he, he essentially... He lost out on, on a shot to still be a part of the family because he wouldn't call Roman Reigns his tribal chief. So there's that. And yeah, great match. At First, I didn't feel like there needed to be a rematch of, of this match because they had a great match at Night of Champions. You don't really need to do much after that. It was emotional. It was powerful. Well, what, what else is there to do? Well, these guys bust each other's asses. Uh, Roman Reigns uh, eventually just beat the hell out of Jimmy and, or beat the out of Jay, excuse me. And, and then, fi- and, and then had the I believe it was the Steel Steps, and Paul Heyman is begging, begging Roman Reigns not to destroy his cousin. Paul Heyman, his advocate, referee saying, "Come on, man, it's your cousin." And then Jimmy Uso on a bad leg runs out, covers his brother Jay like it's The Lion King or something to shield his brother from further pain. And Roman Reigns, I, I don't understand how this is the same company. That books retribution and lose multiple times over. That can't book a baby face to save their damn life. That has a hundred thousand freaking camera cuts. I can't understand how this company that is drowned in a illogical storyline. It's, I, I, it's an oxymoron for me to, for me to even say illogical storylines because if it's illogical, it's not really a storyline. But it amazes me that 95% of their stories are garbage illogical, nonsensical, never followed up on, yet this one feud and this one character, Roman Reigns, is so damn great. I, I mean, I'm at the point where, like, I, I'm if I know a guy signing with WWE, I'm just going to tell them that they're, I, I'm just going to tell them, yo, lie on your application, say you're like 114 Samoan or something so they don't screw you up. Because these guys are hitting a home run. So, Jimmy's begging Roman, please, Roman, don't. Referee's saying, please, Roman, don't. Even Paul Heyman's like, please, Roman, don't. And Roman Reigns gets on his knee and starts crying, crying, and not like in a little, cry, you know, sissy way like like Seth Rollins last year when when he killed himself as a babyface when he would scream every time he saw Bray Wyatt like ah ah, and then of course he blamed the fans like a dumbass. No, no. This was a professional wrestler, and dare I say, a professional actor, crying. Real emotion here. Like, it, it, it was amazing. You could cut the tension with the knife, a very nice steak knife. So finally, Roman Reigns collects himself, stands up, locks in the guillotine choke on Jimmy Uso, and he wakes up Jay Uso because he's tapping on, on, on Jay. Because he's trying to fight for his life. Jay quits. Match over. Roman Reigns raises the title. He's still your Universal Champion. He's still your High Chief, your Tribal Chief. And afterwards was one of the best damn moments in WWE TV in a long freaking time. Roman leaves. You know he's got, he's got the. I don't know. What you, I don't know what you call like the the neck garb that they the, the put on the High Chief, but. He's got that around his neck and it looks so badass. And he's got, obviously, he's no longer wearing the vest. He's got the tattoos and everything. Who should show up but the Wild Samoans, Afa, and his father, Sika? And they raise Roman's hands. He's raising the title. Paul Heyman's looking at him like, What the hell did I get myself into? And Jimmy and Jay are in the ring just going like, and Roman's staring at him saying, It didn't have to be like this. Thumbs. Freaking up. Incredible. Amazing. These guys need to have a job for life. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I don't know where Roman Reigns goes from here, but... Whew, I'm, at, I'm, at the, I'm at the point where I'll straight up say this. In the next brand split, if their LOL is a brand split that they actually honor, and we'll talk about it in a second because it's already acting flimsy. If they continue to have a brand split in the future, if, uh, God forbid... And Uso goes down again with injury and one stays active again like they are now. Or maybe should they just want to separate him, you know, for whatever reason. I have full confidence that these two men, Jimmy and Jay, could be top guys. Without a doubt at this point. Without a freaking doubt. And there's no doubt in my mind that WWE, I don't want to say wasted because Roman Reigns still had some great matches and moments. But in a lot of ways wasted so much opportunity with Roman Reigns. Can you imagine if they did this five years ago? And how much of a babyface he would have been when he eventually turned back babyface? My God, this character is money. And it, and the only shame is that it's taken place during a shameful period in WWE history where they're further devoid of morals—not that they ever really had that many morals—and where they're really devoid of fans and stands. So that's really the unfortunate part. Plus, it's a down period with ratings, which I don't blame Roman Reigns. That the ratings have been slightly higher on SmackDown since he's been back. So shout out to him. Uh, you know, and obviously, Jey Uso plays a part in that because he's played his role very well, too. But yeah, it's, it's a, it, like Drew McIntyre's great title run. It's a damn shame it's taking place uh, during the pandemic era. But Roman Reigns, Usos, round of applause. Y'all did great. But the, the Wild Samoans, I did not expect that. I popped huge for that. That was excellent. Just absolutely excellent. Well done, guys. Well freaking done. We. Then had the, I guess, the buffer match. The match that's supposed to bring everybody down. and Boy, this brought everybody down. Elias beat Jeff Hardy via DQ. This was a boring, raw match. Uh, Jeff Hardy got his revenge by hitting Elias with the guitar. I guess Elias is supposed to be happy. He's undefeated. Whatever. Okay, let's skip that. This was another kind of bland TV match for the most part, but it had a good finish, or at least an interesting finish. The WWE Money in the Bank contract match. The Miz defeated Otis to win the Money in the Bank contract. Now, as, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I haven't really been too keen on, on a lot of North American wrestling these days. With some AEW stuff kind of makes me cringe, even though they have some good action here and there. A lot of DDT stuff makes me cringe, at least on TV. Again, the pay-per-views have been really good the last uh, you know few months. I think ever since the hemorrhoid that was Extreme Rules, SummerSlam's been good. Payback was good, Clash of Champions was good, and this was this was good. But Yes yeah, Match was just kind of a match until until Tucker of Heavy Machinery took the briefcase, hit Otis with it, Miz looked shocked, pinned Otis, and he is now Mr. Money in the Bank. A few observations here. Whatever happened with Otis when the initial COVID outbreak happened really killed his character. Uh, and, I, and I feel like honestly, even before that, it started being killed because he just got overexposed. And I'm not talking about him wrestling practically naked. I'm talking about overexposed just the character. And you guys who have been following me know I'm a huge Otis fan. You know I, I really like him, and I, I think he he's a, he he'd be a fun character to watch and everything. And if you want to occasionally put him in some top matches, okay. Like I think he's a very talented performer. He's also a legit athlete too. But the more I heard him talk, the more I booked him in the segments with Mandy Rose. Uh, after WrestleMania, should know, not not before. The more I was just kind of like, okay, this is this is getting a little old. This is getting a, a, a little much. And I was happy when he won Money in the Bank because at the time, I mean, it was at the height of the pandemic. Although unfortunately, it looks like we're getting to another height, which is terrible. Hope hope y'all stay safe. Uh, you know, so we needed something fun, or at least I felt like as be fans, we needed something fun. And it was a fun thing. I thought it was cool. You have a year to figure it out, whatever. But then he just kind of disappeared out of sight out of mind and they had this never-ending feud of the miz and john morrison and then according to the video package that they showed before the match they had a fake court case with jbl and ron simmons and i love me some apa but it was wacky and it set up this match all right i mean hey teddy long appeared so that's that's fine by me i'm happy whenever teddy long can get a paycheck but very wacky and very it's very wacky to set up a match with such serious repercussions, which is money in the bank, which means you could get a title shot for up to a year. Anyway, so Miz got the pin. Morrison's shocked. Miz is shocked. Backstage Miz puts the WWE Champion and the Universal Champion on notice. Tucker says he didn't do it for Miz. He did it because Otis put heavy machinery in his rear view, even though he's the one that helped Otis. Otis can't even tie his own shoes without me. And then Otis attacked all the men, and uh, Tucker ran away. Now, you might want to say, this, this is actually a pretty good feud, right? They're former tag team partners. You know, they, they, they've been best friends. This is perfect, right? This makes perfect freaking sense, right? Well, let me take a sip of my water and I'll tell you why it doesn't make sense. Oh, that was good. It doesn't make sense because Tucker is on another show. I believe Tucker's on Raw and Otis is on SmackDown. So, unless they want to do a special inner brand Survivor Series match, which I guess they could do, it really makes no sense to feud these guys, considering they're gonna be on separate brands. Now you could do a deal where Tucker reveals that he separated Mandy from Otis all along, and you know, he he trolls Otis and says, na 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 you can't catch me and you can't catch it because you're on a different brand. I guess you could do that, but it's not really all that compelling because it's Otis and Tucker. It's not Sasha versus Bailey. No offense, guys. So I, I guess they'll do a match at Survivor Series. I guess Otis will win. I might be the only person on planet Earth, but I actually really like Tucker. He's got a great size. Every time I've heard him on the mic, he's actually surprisingly been decent. He's got a great look. And, you know, while Otis is the app or was at least, the apple of Vince's eye for a while, because he's funny and pudgy, and I'm sure Vince loves that kind of humor, you know, Tucker is the size and the look that Vince McMahon tends to like, so I don't know. Maybe there's hope for Tucker. Doesn't seem like it right now, but I do think he has the goods that if he's given somewhat of a fair opportunity, and based on what we've seen with Retribution and other guys, it doesn't seem like he's going to get a fair opportunity. But if he was going to get one, I think he actually could succeed as a heel, but we shall see. This kind of came out of the blue, though. And yeah, I don't know. In retrospect, maybe they should have done this couple months before the, the brand split, you know, just to tie that loose end, but okay. Then we had my favorite match, maybe my favorite match of the year, and one of my favorite, maybe it will go down as one of my favorite matches of all time, honestly, just because it, it really kind of called back to their past matches, and for the longest time, right, Sasha Banks and Bayley have had really good dead to careers. But it wasn't until this year where you could really say, man, they've had great Debbie careers, because for the longest time, Debbie's left a lot of money on the table with both women in favor of Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch and nothing against Becky. She's great. Nothing against Charlotte. She's great. But, you know, the women's division isn't just supposed to be two blonde women. I mean, technically Becky Lynch is straight fire, but she's naturally a blonde woman. I'm just saying like you need diversity. You need, you need different. Okay. There's room at the top for more than just one or two women and Sasha Banks and Bayley've been knocking on the door for a long time and they really kind of like Randy Orton this year and Drew McIntyre really stepped it up and they've done a, a great job being uh, some of WWE's MVPs. Asuka belongs on that conversation too. And what what can I say? They've had a great feud. I do think that this would have been better served holding this off till WrestleMania and holding off the breakup till around Royal Rumble time because They've been the best parts of Raw, SmackDown, and even NXT at times throughout this whole year. But forget those circumstances. We're, we are, we're, we're at where we're at right now, easy for me to say. And Banks and Bailey had an incredible match. Just an incredible match. Very physical. Uh, they say whenever uh, two fighters fight in MMA, if they're friends, usually they go harder than they would if they weren't friends. And this is kind of similar uh, you know, obviously in a predetermined setting, but still, a great pro wrestling match right here. Uh, there were some really painful-looking spots, including Bailey hitting a sun flip, sunset flip power bomb on Banks into a steel chair in the corner. Uh, Banks looked like she banged the back of her head on this chair. That looked like it sucked. Uh, there was also uh, Banks hitting the meteor knees on Bailey on the outside. Uh, there were a lot of near falls too, with Bailey escaping the Banks statement multiple times and Banks kicking out of the Bailey flying elbow. Uh, there was a point in time where uh, Bailey tied Banks in between the ring apron and ring skirt to punish her with kendo stick shots. Bailey tried to do something with the kendo sticks, but it didn't comply. But you know what? That's okay. In a real fight, sometimes you have a game plan and things don't work out, right? I might be a fighter to say, you know what? I I, I plan to arm bar you. And somebody might say, you know what? That's not going to happen. I mean, look at Habib. Justin Gaethje was probably like, you know what? I'm going to tag Habib. I'm going to defend these takedowns. And I'm going to knock his ass out. Well, what happened instead? Habib took him down, triangle him, choked him out. It's all it's all well and good to you get punched in the face or hit with a kendo stick or try to put two kendo sticks together for something. So uh, Sasha Banks got on her feet very quickly and went right to the next spot, which is a fire extinguisher spot. Sprayed the fire extinguisher in Bailey's face and slammed her into the cell multiple times over. Hit the Meteora. Uh, back in the ring. Banks beat the hell out of Bailey with the kendo stick. Uh, Br- Bailey crawled to to get grab a steel chair on the mat, but Banks uh, stomped her out and then hit a frog splash. But Bailey held up the steel chair to block it. Bailey slammed Banks' face against the floor outside and got a ladder from underneath the ring. She uh, set up the ladder between two chairs in the ring, slammed Sasha's face and chest uh, onto the steel, and then uh, she laid Banks across the ladder as Bailey spray painted her to mark like an X and then flew off the middle rope with a steel chair, but Banks moved, and so Bailey ate some steel. Banks then hit the Meteora off a chair, onto Bailey, into the corner, followed by a belly-to-Bailey on the ladder for a two-count. Then Bailey countered, hit a knee, hit a belly-to-belly on Banks. Another kick out. Then Bailey got the chair, smashed Sasha Banks' back. Finally, Banks tripped Bailey into the chair, wrapped it around her neck and face, and submitted Bailey with the bank statement. And what I loved about this was there, there was a nice callback to their NXT Brooklyn match from back in the day, where you may recall Bailey and Storyline went into that match with, I think, either a damaged arm or or, or hand. And so when, when Sasha had the bank statement, she would also axe kick on the floor. She would kick the freaking arm and the hand. Well, Banks did this, but instead of kicking the hand, she kicked the neck and kicked the steel chair onto Bailey's face, forcing Bailey to tap out, got the win. Sasha Banks becomes SmackDown Women's Champion for the first time in her career. And finally, after three tries, wins a hell-in-the-cell match. I can only hope as a huge Sasha Banks fan that she finally makes at least one. I'm just asking for one successful SmackDown or Raw women's title defense because, as we know or many of us know, every time she wins a title, she never successfully defends it. So hopefully, hopefully, she'll be able to defend it successfully. But excellent match. This may damn well top the NXT Brooklyn and the Iron Woman match that they had five years ago. I think maybe it does just because both women are, are matured and they're better workers than they were back then. And... You know, all these years, you keep hearing about how Bailey and Sasha Banks had that great match, that great match, that great match, and there was nothing that that could ever, uh, you know, top that, right? It's like their best days were back in NXT. It's like when Nas dropped dropped El he'll never top that. But no, I think they topped it, and and this year they have topped close to anything they've done in the past, and and it's great, it's great to see. Again, it's a shame. It's during the pandemic era when less fans seem to be watching and caring than ever, but. They did a tremendous freaking job, so bravo to both women. And yeah, that is not one, not two, but three great Hell in a Cell matches. I would say damn near three great Match of the Year candidates. Now, I haven't watched the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 beyond a couple of matches. I'm sure there's a lot of great Match of the Year candidates there. I, I believe, wasn't there a match in AEW that was pretty great earlier this year? Was it, I think the Young Bucks and Adam Page and Omega tag team match was earlier this year. Feels like a lifetime ago because obviously everything's changed since March. But yeah, I missing mean, some good matches. You see, some great matches. But man, on one show, two to three match of the year candidates, especially on a WWE show at that, phenomenal. Uh, what was not phenomenal was the final match. We'll get to, which wasn't the main event. This was. This took place in between the two, uh, the last two Hell in a Cell matches. Bobby Lashley defeated Slapjack of Retribution with both uh, factions barred from ringside to retain the U.S. title. I don't know who Slapjack's supposed to be, uh, but he seemed pretty athletic. But Bobby Lashley got the clean win, and this marks the second straight loss for retro Freakin' They lost on Raw inexplicably to Hurt business, then got destroyed by Bray Wyatt, so make that two losses, and then got destroyed here. That's three losses. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Alright. Um, who is Slapjack supposed to be? I have no idea. I honestly I probably shouldn't even care. I don't know. Is it Shane Thorne? I have no I have no idea. Who is Slapjack in retribution? Let's see who Slapjack is. In retribution. Oh, it is Shane Thorne. Alright, okay. Cool. Cool. That's fine. He did fine here, but he lost again. Not that I was advocating anybody in this bum ass group to you know, to, to, to win here, but man, they, they reveal Mustafa Ali as the leader, they reveal him as the hacker, and then in their first match with Mustafa Ali, they lose, and then they lose again. Like I said, how is this the same company that books Roman Reigns and the Usos so great and books the rest of the roster so damn poorly? It's almost like Paul Heyman has something to do with it, right? <laughs> Well, you know what I'll say this: Banks and Bailey has been booked great, but it's two best friends and they seem to have Vin- Vince's ear. So uh, imagine that anything that doesn't involve Paul Heyman or the wrestlers getting involved themselves uh, tends to be dog crap. Wow. <sighs> that being said, overall, a massive freaking thumbs up for Hell in a Cell 2020. Let's get to some of the feedback here because I know a lot of people uh, got some comments and things to get off their chest. Mr. Racer 1029, what's up, bro? I haven't seen you in a while. CM Punk is going to beat Roman Reigns for a title in, in your dreams. like That'd be kind of cool, but I don't think it's going to happen. Okay, Slapjack is Shane Thorne. All right. And they couldn't give him a better name than, than something that you should look up. Well, maybe you shouldn't look up in the Urban Dictionary. Sasha versus Becky for respect. the and women's title. Uh, Nana, I'd say yes, except for the fact that Becky's about to be a mother, so I don't think that's happening. Uh, Vince, Mr. Loki says Vince always books himself into a corner. That's true. Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair for the women's title at WrestleMania. I would love to see that. The Boss versus the Best. Hell, freaking, yeah. I'm a huge Bianca Belair fan. Plus, she makes her own gear. She, she, she's great. She's great. She, she's got a great look, great physique. Good in the ring, can talk, makes her own gear, just all all kinds of swagger about her. I mean, she is she's awesome. She really kind of reminds me a uh, a lot about Sasha Banks coming out of NXT. Now I hope that she has a better uh, a better going than Sasha Banks initially out of NXT, because it took some time for Sasha. I remember, she had to be in Team Bad and all this other crap before she finally found her footing. Hopefully, uh, yeah, it'll be less less time for Bianca to find her footing and win a title we'll we'll see we'll see but Sasha Bianca would be great okay Michael Van Doren says Dave Meltzer would give you five stars I hope so I hope so I interviewed by the way I interviewed Dave Meltzer that's in the archives if you want to browse on YouTube or in the podcast feed TSC News podcast by the way if you want to find it on Spotify SoundCloud iTunes or Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your damn podcast the show ended like that with no fiend no miz nobody just orton standing tall to close out the show I'm actually fine with that. I was convinced that Bray Wyatt would ruin another Hell in a Cell match. I was convinced he would he would ruin another Hell in a Cell match like he did last year. Uh, I was convinced that WWE would ruin a Hell in a Cell match for the third straight year. But no, they ended it clean. Randy Orton got the win. I'm happy with that. Now I'm totally fine with that, man. Totally fine. If we do get Rock versus Reigns at Mania with no fans, I can see it being a cinematic ma- cinematic match. Excuse me. That'd be dope to do it near their home in front of other Samoans. Yeah, I'm kind of sick of uh, of you know the cinematic matches at this point. But I'll tell you this: if there's two guys that could pull it off, it's Roman Reigns and one of the best actors in the world, The Rock. Yeah, that that is for sure. If it if it's produced by Seven Bucks Entertainment and not World Wrestling Entertainment, I I, I think I think you're right. I think it'd be great. But I would, me personally, I would actually try to hold it off if they could. Hold it off at least until like SummerSlam or something like, like whatever the first WWE show is that you could do at full capacity, like I don't care if you have to change the name to make it sound better, like Super Showdown or Rocktober or whatever. That's that's the show you should probably book uh, Roman Reigns versus The Rock. Or or you know what? Actually, I mean WrestleMania is WrestleMania. You probably want to do it at WrestleMania. But since they're doing the 30th anniversary of The Undertaker. Maybe you could do the anniversary of, of The Rock. you know, The Rock debuted Survivor Series 96, maybe Survivor Series 21. You do something to Roman Reigns and him. Who knows? Who knows? I think as long as The Rock keeps himself healthy and in good shape, and obviously he looks to be in phenomenal shape, I, I think they'll be fine. Although, I don't know with all those muscles if he's... He looks great. But the last time he looked great with all those muscles in a wrestling match, and I was in attendance for that, he tore like three muscles against John Cena and then hasn't wrestled since. Uh, Okay, technically, he pinned Eric Rowan in like four or five seconds at WrestleMania 32, but that doesn't count. The last time he actually wrestled, really wrestled, was WrestleMania 29. So, I would imagine he might, for his sake, now that I'm a nutrition expert, he might want to drop a little bit of that muscle mass. But, I mean, Rock's looking great these days. I mean, he always does, but Rock and Roman Reigns? Yeah, I would love to see that at some point. Uh, Do you think Brock Lesnar will come back? Yeah, I think he will. I think he will. I think, I think all this stuff with him being a free agent, just a negotiating ploy, I don't think he wants to get punched in the face again in the UFC. If we're being honest, I'm not judging, shading, whatever. He did fail a USADA test a couple years back after his fight with Mark Hunt. I don't think he wants to have some dude go to Bumble F Canada and watch him take a piss, you know what I mean, for, for a drug test at 6 a.m. I really don't think he wants that. I think he'd rather just kind of do his thing and make easy money in WWE. And in fairness to Brock, look, he's a great wrestler, one of the all-time greats, and I actually enjoy him more often than not. So uh, I I would like to see Brock Lesnar back. I would love to see Brock in Bellator, actually, and and fight Fedor in Bellator, maybe in in Russia. Uh, But I don't think that's going to happen. So yeah, I think he'll eventually be back. But fun fact, he just got added to the EA Sports UFC 4 roster. Now, knowing Brock Lesnar, I would assume that he's getting money for that when Pretty much every UFC fighter, unless you make a special deal, doesn't even get a cut out of the video game, which is crazy, right? It's insane. Uh, but uh, I would imagine Brock Lesnar made some type of deal in order to be uh, added to the roster after the release date. So maybe that's a little hint or a little jab at Vince saying, hey, they added me to the video game, Vince. You could lose me. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Well, e- either way, even if Brock Lesnar just calling Vince's bluff, historically Vince has paid him Millions of dollars, multiple times over, for the last eight years. So I don't see why Vince McMahon would would stop paying him. As for what you would do, uh, I mean, you know, you could do a Brock Drew McIntyre rematch Renette, Maybe Brock wins this time. You could do a Randy Orton Brock Le- Brock Lesnar rematch, or Randy Orton wins this time. You could do. I mean, you could do Brock versus Roman again. I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting. Have you heard about Daniel Bryan saying on Talking Smack, this is his last run? Yeah, I did. And while you can never say never in wrestling, Bryan is in his late 30s now. He's getting up there in age. He's getting up there in miles. And uh, he does have uh, you know an- another child now. He has two children. So, yeah, as-, as sad as that makes me feel, I can absolutely see that. And if this is his last run, hopefully this run <laughs> lasts at least a couple more years because... The wrestling business needs Daniel Bryan more than, than Daniel Bryan needs the wrestling business right now. He's great. He's great. Uh, Daniel Quintas, thank you uh, for the show. Hey, thank you for watching and listening. I I appreciate y'all. I'm not crazy about giving Miz money in the bank. Uh, yeah, John Marie, I'm not either. I, I'm a Miz fan and everything, but Miz has not been booked like a top guy for a very long time. If he had some momentum, if this was Miz from like a few years ago when he had that great run as Intercontinental Champion, and you may recall back in, in 2017, he pinned, or maybe 2018, he pinned Roman Reigns in a great match on Raw to win the Intercontinental title. So if it was the, the 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 Miz that pinned Roman Reigns back then to win the Intercontinental title, I'd say, yeah, Miz has Mr. Money in Bank. That'd be great. Now, though, no. Now, can you take Miz a little bit more seriously than Otis at this point? I think you can, but... Ugh. I don't know. I don't know. You know, here's what I would do, I, and it is kind of wacky to do this because the Money in the Bank briefcase has only changed hands uh, once, like uh, certain parts of the year, so like or like once a few times uh, in WWE history. So there was 2007 where Ken Kennedy won the briefcase at WrestleMania 23 in a really underrated Money in the Bank ladder match. And then about a month or so later Edge beat him because Kennedy got misdiagnosed by a WWE doctor, and I, I guess his injury was believed to be worse than it really was. So Edge won, and then cashed in on Undertaker, and the rest is history. There was, I think, that was the only. Is that the only time? I think that might have been the only time. The other times I know, John Cena cashed in and failed. Um, Damian Sandow cashed in and failed. Uh, Baron Corbin cashed in and failed. Braun Strowman cashed in and failed. So, okay, yeah. So th- this is, I think, only the second time WWE history where. The Money in the Bank briefcase has actually changed hands, not a failed cash-in, so to speak. So, look, this year's been wacky. Again, we're in a pandemic era with low ratings anyway. You could do a deal where Miz holds on to this for a couple months, and then you do a, a TLC match at, at the TLC show, where since you know the Money in the Bank briefcase is supposed to be usually defended in a ladder match, you could do a ladder match where Miz loses to somebody, and then another person holds on to the briefcase. You could do that. Me, personally, I'm kind of sick of the Money in the Bank pay-per-views, even though I, I like them, and they're historically good pay-per-views. Kind of like Hell in a Cell, I really wish they'd just be stipulations again, because it means a lot more when you do a Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania than on a standalone pay-per-view. And it means a lot more when you do a Hell in a Cell match when a feud requires it, as opposed to, hey, it's a Hell in a Cell, we got to have Hell in a Cell matches. Although, this was the rare year where they actually had feuds coincide with the Hell in a Cell stipulation. So, But yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm not the biggest fan of... Miz holding the uh, money in the bank right now. It's 2010 all over again. Randy is the WWE champion and Miz is the money in the bank holder. That's right. That's right. He did cash in on on Randy Orton. You're right, but I completely forgot about that. That's true. That's true. Daniel Bryan versus CM Punk WrestleMania 38. Sure, why not? Uh, I I can see that happening down the road, but I don't know. Uh, CM Punk does not seem to be in good terms with WWE. I don't feel like he did a good job of with his comeback going to WWE backstage. Although, who am I to argue with a man's wallet, right, And his bank account? I'm sure he's still doing uh, very well for himself despite that. And look, if he if he's not cool with WWE, if I'm AEW, I try to reopen negotiations again because uh, after watching some of their their stuff lately, they could definitely use more guys to know how to work and and have good instincts. Um, what did you think about MJF and Chris Jericho's uh, musical segment on Dynamite? I hated it, not because those guys didn't do a good job in it, but because in the context of a wrestling show that you're supposed to take seriously, when there's a world title tournament going on and neither guy's involved for whatever reason and MJF's barely wrestled these last couple of months when this is the time they really got to build them up, I just found it really unnecessary and out of place. So, Yeah, although what annoyed me even more was in the main event when Uh, I forgot who it was, was private party. They hit Alex Reynolds with like a dual dive. So to like the Hardys back in the day and poor Alex Reynolds got like stiff, knocked out, whatever the case may be, suffered a stinger. And all these guys are just doing spots and the young bucks are making this poor guy who just got knocked out, do spots. And nobody including the referees noticing for minutes on end that this poor dude has been knocked out. I mean, look, Debbie's had some horrific safety protocols too, especially this year with COVID. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, g- absolve Daddy B, but, you know, I got to call it like I see it, man. AEW's been very reckless with some injuries lately and, and just, you know, overall protocols lately. Daddy B in general, by the way, well, well first off, Daddy B in general has been obviously very lax with protocols, although they've gotten better, but they are under investigation by Florida. They are under investigation with the Thunderdome's under investigation, the Performance Center's under, under investigation, and full sales under investigation as areas within Florida that have led to outbreaks or could be fostering potential outbreaks. And to the best of our knowledge, even though we don't know all the names, Dead W's had at least two outbreaks. So yeah, I, I, I do think that, uh, you know, Florida cracking down is a good thing. Although look, they, they, they have the governor by the balls cause he's a Trump kiss ass and they donated a lot of money to the campaign. So We'll, we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, look, a lot can change after election, depending who wins anyway, for uh, WWE as far as uh, laxing on the rules and, and whatever the case may be. Although, again, better late than never, but they did improve protocols over the last uh, few months. Uh, what do you think about the recent indie outbreak? Oh, yeah, that was with Joey Janelle, I think, and uh, GCW and The Collective these last couple of weeks. All I'll say is this. If you're an indie wrestler or indie worker or whatever doing something in the indies get tested, require people to get tested. My boy Leon St. Giovanni gets tested regularly, still wrestles. He's had no issues. Other people I know still wrestle, have had no issues because they are responsible. So please, be responsible. That's all I got to say about that. Okay, a couple more. Emmerich Smith says, Sasha and Bailey was dope. I agree. Tucker needs a push. It looks like he's getting a push at least for five minutes, so we will see what happens. Do you think Wade Barrett will ever wrestle again now that he's back in NXT as a commentator? I'd love to see him wrestle, uh, but as somebody that was that was a huge fan of his, that was pained by how awful his WWE career turned out to be, okay, he had a good WWE career, but compared to the potential, it was awful, right? It was awful. It was like a number one overall pick that made the playoffs once or twice and never made it to the finals. It's kind of, it's kind of what Wade Barrett's career was like in WWE. He really should have been a, a bigger star because he's always had the goods, but... I, you know, I, I could see him wrestling. If I were him, I'd probably stick with NXT and NXT UK for now. Just because you know that the main roster is going to ruin him. But if there's an opportunity down the road, why not? You know, Who knows? Him him and Sheamus as a team or him attacking uh, Drew McIntyre and feuding down the road. That'd be dope. But, again, main roster, Deadly B, you can only trust it so much. All right. Well, that's about it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this recap. If you did, please like, share, take care. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications for more updates like this. Until next time, as always, enjoy the matches and please stay safe. Facebook, thank you so much.